0: Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning, everybody. I love these names that they give the snow, Snowmageddon. (laughs) <laughs> the snowcopley... How do they say this? Snowpocalypse. <laughs> so what is the name? A few weeks back, I had mentioned we were part of a new team. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. When a new expansion team, whether it be NFL or pro or any, anything, is formed and the management in an effort to gain uh, you know a fan base, they asked the public for Uh, an idea, to come up with a name for it. That name would have to mean something. Tell a story in one or two words. Seattle Mariners? Makes sense. Minnesota Vikings? yeah, makes sense. (laughs) Dallas Cowboys? Okay, Texas Cowboys? That makes sense. For me, Garden City Buffaloes. (laughs) 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 Or when, like a zoo announces a new baby elephant or giraffe. They are born, and they ask the public to help them with a name for the new arrival. That name will have to say something. Those names given remind us of where we are and whom we're dealing with. As God commissioned Adam to name every animal and bird in Genesis 2.19, Even we are honored to name our own children for one reason or another. They have a specific name or purpose that they're given. Everything has a name. People, places, things, even ideas. They are identified so we can distinguish them, love them, respect them, recognize them. To describe them, and honor them, and sometimes worship them. There's no question that these passages that we're going to be going over are one of the most significant events in history. It's the founding of the first great Gentile church. The church was founded under God's sovereignty, control, and will. The church is set forth very simply, yet as a dynamic pattern for all churches and believers to copy. The bulk of these passages takes place in Antioch. Antioch was the third greatest city of the Roman Empire. Following only Rome, Alexandria, in size and importance, the city had over half a million citizens. The city was dominated by Greek culture and language. But it had a large Syrian and Jewish population, It was tolerant of a lot of religions. It was the home of the great temple of Daphne. She was a minor Greek goddess associated with uh, bodies of water, like springs and wells and fresh water. The prophetesses of the temple were sacred prostitutes. It's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Through all that, however, Antioch was important was important to Christian history. It was the first great Christian church among the Gentiles. It was the city and church. It was a city from which the church, the church would send worldwide missionaries. That's what I am trying to say. Christianity was, was launched from Antioch through a great mission. Antioch was the church where believers were first called Christians. We'll be looking at uh, chapter 11, verses 19 through 30, and as we turn there, I'll pray for us. Father, again, Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to gather here today to bring forth this snow, whether, again, it's not necessarily part of our plans, but, again, you had a plan for it and the reason for it. Lord, we pray for those who couldn't make it here today or for one reason or another are sick or, or just uh, traveling. Lord, and we thank you so much for allowing us to pray for those who are in need. And thank you, Father, for, again, just giving us another glorious day that we were able to lift you up and glorify you to the highest of what you deserve. We pray, Lord, that you be with us today and deliver a message that, uh, again, you want us to hear. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, chapter 11, starting with verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. I've always noticed that God will provide his word to the most uncommon of places. We see here in these verses, the church was born. This tells us that what happened to the believers who were forced to flee Jerusalem after the death of Stephen. Stephen. Saul had launched a persecution against them, trying to stamp out the name of Christ. They were scattered everywhere. Phoenicia, which includes the cities of Tyre and Sidon, Cyprus and Antioch, but even though they were scattered, they still preached. They still preached Christ. There was not an area touched that wasn't touched by the gospel where the believers went they shared Christ but the focus was or, and is on Antioch the church was born like i said through lay believers through their witnessing some believers witnessed to the Jews only but others believed or other believers witnessed to the gentiles in Antioch but the church was really born by the lord's hand by his sovereignty and control. God overruled all the trials and opposition and caused the church to be born. God overruled the persecution. He overruled the fear and the trauma of the believers who were having to flee for their lives. God even overruled the madness and sins of Antioch itself. He overruled and stirred the believers to witness and to preach Christ Despite all the trials and opposition, God caused the church to be born. It was given a name, or it will be given a name, and will be able to be given the opportunity to work. So what was that result in verse 21? A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord, so the first great Gentile church was born. verse 22 Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they said then they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch When he came and he seen the grace of God he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord for he was a good man full of the holy spirit And of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Again, He came, and more people were added to the Lord. God always provides just the right people for the job. Notice that once the church was established, it wasn't left to fend for itself, the church was followed up and taught. The mother church in Jerusalem heard about the witnesses of the scattered believers. Remember, both the apostles and the first leaders of the church were still in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was still considered the mother church. It was a church that the scattered churches looked to for leadership. And the mother wanted to help the new church and churches spring <coughs> up all around us. Elvis Aaron Presley. A name many of us recognize, described as a peaceful and generous man, humble and kind-hearted, a believer, and a witness. He was asked about his fame and whether he could believe how popular he had become. He said he got lucky. He was the right person at the right time. God supplies us with the right person at the right time. We could be described as the right people at the right time. So in this case, along comes Barnabas. The church at Jerusalem sends Barnabas to Antioch. He was sent so the new church would have ministerial help. So that they would be encouraged. And so that they could be taught how to survive and grow as a new church. Barnabas was the right person to send. His name means encouragement. He encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. I remember saying that about this church, that even though we sometimes suffer loss, we need to be encouraged to carry on, but do so leaning on the Lord. His character was just what it should be. He is described as a good, upright, just, moral, and honorable, and pleasing to God. He was what he should be. Inwardly and outwardly, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Conscious and aware of his Holy Spirit's presence and power, and to tell you the truth, no minister of the gospel, no disciple of the Lord should be any less than Barnabas. As a result of Barnabas and his encouragement, many were added to the Lord. Here's the key. New church will reach people. In fact, any church will reach people when believers witness faithfully. When the churches are showing interest in the witnessing of believers elsewhere, and when discipline, uh, disciples and ministers are encouraging and demonstrating such godly behavior. Verse 25. Then Barnabas departed as, for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year that they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Yay, Yes, We've got a team now. <laughs> God's new church will need a name, direction, and leadership. Now the church seeks additional staff. It was too much for one minister to handle by himself. So Barnabas sought help. The focus in these verses seemed to be, or seemed to show us at least, that Barnabas was the one who realized that more help was needed. But surely the church was bound to have sen- sensed that from the very beginning, that they needed additional staff. And given its approval, they need, the need was sensed. And the decision was made to seek help. But who should they get that would qualify to be able to handle the church at Antioch? A unique person. A unique person was needed. A person who not only had a Jewish background, but who knew the Greek language as well. And culture. And could relate to both Gentile and Jew alike. The person also needed to be fearless and bold in his witness for Christ. Barnabas knew such a man. His name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus. So he set out to find him. Saul, where Paul was, he will become known, had been busy throughout Syria Cis- uh, and <laughs> I would get this name wrong. Sicilicia. Yeah, I got it. Preaching Christ. Apparently, Saul wasn't easy to find, but Barnabas knew it was God's will to have Saul help in Antioch. So he was eventually found and brought to Antioch. Saul and Barnabas stay in Antioch for a whole year, teaching the gospel. Many of the believers met constantly for intensive training. They meant to be taught about the Lord. The church developed an unbelievable heritage for itself and for Christ. So much so that the believers here in Antioch were first to be called Christians. They were now identified. They were part of the same word that means, but what does it mean? Does it remember? Christ. The chosen one, the one given to us. The name was a nickname given to believers by the unsaved people at Antioch. The title was a name for people belonging to Christ. For the followers of Christ, the title is used only two other times in the New Testament Acts 26, 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuaded me to become a Christian. 1 Peter 4, 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Think about those two verses for a moment. First somebody is being asked to become a Christian or to follow Christ. Then later they're talking about suffering. That's part of what we are. We suffer for one another. We look for one another and we love one another. But in order to do so, we need to be asked on how to follow, what, who to follow and how to follow. Believers took the name Christian and began applying it to themselves. It was to become the name adopted by the whole world for the followers of Christ. Think about that. The whole world. Verse 27. And in these days, prophet came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be great famine throughout the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. The church at Antioch launched its own worldwide mission. Prophets from Jerusalem came to help in the ministry of Antioch. We don't know how many or what led them to come. But one thing's for sure is it's God's will that they came. We know it had to be God's will by what happened next. The church's job is to provide instruction, leadership, and service to those in need. First, it was a prophecy of great need. Agabus, one of the prophets, predicted a worldwide famine. The prophecy was just that, a prophecy. It was a prophecy of the Spirit. It wasn't something Agabus calculated by by deducting and looking at the stars. It was given to him by the Holy Spirit. The famine did take place. You can look it up during the reign of Claudius Caesar, who ruled between A.D. 41 through 54. Secondly, there was a sharing of money and supplies. Everyone sent relief to Jerusalem, according to his ability. This point, the point is, is that the newly born church at Antioch was now seen launching its own mission project they were now helping the mother church. The church had originally helped them. Thirdly, they, there was a sharing of ministers. Note who was sent by the church, two of the chief ministers, Barnabas and Saul. They, delivering, they delivered the offerings to the elders at Jerusalem. Paul, in some of his later letters, was to encourage constant giving to the needs of God's people that's why we do our mission moments every, every, every week that's why we do the giving trees that's why we do those uh, drives to get food and things there are people out here that need things, that need a lot they may not know the Lord and how to ask him for help we do that is our mission. But in all this, we see that God has sent set a pattern for all churches. A church is born. The church is followed up and taught. The church meets for constant, intensive training, like right now. The church develops a reputation for serving Christ. And then the newborn church launches its own worldwide mission. God expects his church to constantly ask what would he want from us? As an elder, I think of that a lot of times. What would God want for this church? Not what does Will want or what does Jim want or what anybody sitting outside these walls want, but what does God want? Here are some of those other questions I think of that we need to think on? Are we following that example? That example that was given earlier? Are we concerned with the worldwide vision of spreading the gospel? What effect are we having on our community and those around us? And community can be, can start at home. Those Friends and relatives who are around us and those friends and relatives who are scattered around. Are we serving them as well? These are the questions that we need to constantly and continually ask ourselves to make sure we are staying on track, on track with God's call for SLBC. Many thousands of people use services like ancestry.com and such to ask what where they came from who they descended from some meaning or some purpose what does their name mean we each have a name for ourselves an identity a goal a purpose or name Our names describe us and provide details of who we are and what our character is like. What we need to do is identify our name with that of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Live our lives according to Him. Share with those who ask and, sh- and, and serve as He would want us to. Teaching our children according to Him give our time and efforts for Jesus, for His glory. That's the only name that means everything. We think on these things as we pray in His name. When we go through our daily lives, when we here go come to church, and we think about What's our day going to be like? What are are we going to do? What are we going to eat? How are we going to spend our time? Think about what time can be spent on thinking of Jesus and what he would say. Giving the opportunity, I think he would say, do as I would do. That's pretty simple. And of course... The ability to ask those who don't know him. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? That name should evoke something in anybody whether they know him or not. That is a powerful name. That was the name that was given to him. And I think as, again, we go through the rest of our day, we should also Think about what our name means to him. And we'll be thankful the fact that those of us gathered to hear, our names are written down in a book. And that book means that we, we know where we're going. So now, let's pray in his name. Father, Lord, thank you again for this opportunity to come up here and spread a little bit of your word to get a little bit more insight of what you have for us and gain some knowledge to how... Your church was started, Lord, and thank you for all of those attending here and to to continue out this this days that we are in this cold weather. And and Lord, we just thank you for again the opportunities for those to come and help to share share their love by shoveling the snow and getting rid of those things. And Lord, we just thank you for all those who love you and have you in their heart. We pray, Lord, that if they don't know you, Lord, that they would seek us and we. Offer that time to come together and and to know who you are and accept you in their lives if they don't and have not already. And I thank you always in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.